Welcome to Life on My Terms, a podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and take charge of your life. In the podcast, I sit down with experts in health and wellness, all the way to relationships, career, and life advice. My goal for each episode is simple, to empower you to be your best self, become 1% better every day, and achieve everything you want in this thing called life. I am your host, Amy Mongeta, at Personal Best Inc. on Instagram. And today I am sitting down with Anne Lair, an internationally sought out after keynote speaker, writer, consultant, and trainer. She helps leaders in large organizations connect today's everyday decisions to the future workplace. Her end goal is to help organizations retain their top talent and not only survive, but thrive. Our conversation dives into how you can own your career growth, whether that is with your current company or a different one. Be compelled to change careers if that's where you feel like your path is going and also to develop a growth mindset. So let's jump in. Good morning, Anne. Welcome to Life on My Terms podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to spend this time with you today. Yeah, thanks. Well, I always start the podcast off. It's super important. Listeners kind of get to know a little bit about you. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? So my name is Ann Lair, and I have had a wide and varied career. I started off in hospitality, was a chef specializing in pastries, and then after that moved into hotels and restaurants. I spent 12 years in East Africa running hotels as well as thinking about running safaris and then sold everything after that, moved back to the States. And now I do leadership development and really thinking about this idea of how do we develop leaders in any industry. I'm a certified coach. I've written some books, a keynote speaker, and love the work that I do. That is an incredible intro. Um, I you know, it's so funny because I have been talking over the last few weeks between my coaching clients and having podcast guests. It's amazing sort of the place we are right now where career change is okay. And like you even just talked about, like, here's this path you were on where you spent so many years and now you've made this transition to coach. It's really neat that that's sort of an acceptable thing to do uh, now uh, is have career change. So I love that that is part of who you are. I think it's really important for people to remember that. I actually was just talking to a senior in college and she's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, it's okay. You are not, I've had five careers. You're not going to figure it all out right away. Do what it is right now that makes the next best step. And then you'll take another step and another step, but you do not have to have it all figured out when you're 22 years old or even 45 years old. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure for anyone, but yes, that's great. It's such a great way to start. But I would say with like the great resignation happening and folks really taking a closer look at their own career paths, I feel like right now career growth is just a huge um, focus point for a lot of people. They are looking to grow in their career, have a passion for what they do, and, you know, frankly, try to make a decent living while having that passion. And so I wonder if you can chat a little bit about how you 
you have seen career growth change since the pandemic? Like how are, how are folks' mindsets changing? I think the whole idea of a career path is upended these days. Before the pandemic, really it was up, right? I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. It's what we call a career ladder. We're going to move up the ladder in this organization. If I go to another organization, I'm going to hope I'm on the same rung and move up that way. I think what people are realizing now is that they want to rethink how they're spending their time because we actually spend most of the time of our day at work. And people are thinking, is that how I want to be spending it? And where do I want to be spending it? Another term that I often use with people instead of a ladder is think of it as a lattice, L-A-T-T-I-C-E, you know, those fences that look like they're crossed and really thinking about it that way is like, oh, I don't have to go up. I can go over here to the left. I can go over here to the right. And I think more and more people are now accepting the idea of up is not always the best thing for me as an individual. And I want to rethink how I spend my day and I want to rethink how I'm learning and growing as I am doing the work that I am tasked to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would say that for me in particular, purpose is a huge, uh, I want to spend my time purposefully, like making an impact. And I spent so many years in marketing, working for companies, you know, churning and grinding the midnight oil, like trying to create this money stream for them. And at the end of the day, I sat down and thought, you know what, I don't feel like I'm having an impact or really a purpose here. I'm on call most of the time, you know, emails getting out the door at all hours of the day, like my time wasn't respected. And frankly, it led to a huge burnout. Mm. So that led me kind of like stepping back and having a self-reflection. But, you know, it was scary for me to think like, well, maybe I should move over to coaching. I think that's what I meant to do. I started off as an educator, but then I spent the last 17 years in marketing. So why, why does coaching make sense? Why does it make sense to throw it all away? But I, I think your experience is what a lot of people are feeling. So first of all, kudos to you and congratulations. Not many people have the courage to do it. They want to do it, but actually doing it is another step. And I think coaching is great because coaching teaches you how to do it little by little. And I think it's a great reminder for people that you can switch industries, you can switch roles because a skill set is transferable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you do pick up such learnings. Like for me, now in a coach, I've got such a marking prowess to add to my own coaching, right? Like I can use these skills. It's not like they're just out the window. I said the same thing to someone this week. They were like, but you are a chef. And I'm like, yeah, and everything I learned as a chef, I still do today, right? So there's a, a concept in the kitchen is called mise en place. Mise en place means get everything in order, right? So you're going to have all your knives there. You're going to have all your prep there, your vegetables, whatever you're doing. And it's the same thing when you think about project management or organizing work, right? Do I have everything I need? And then I jump into it. So I agree with you 100%. The things we learn along the way and a job that we're getting paid at, even if it's not related, we can still transfer those skills to what we are doing now. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's start with the individual, like the employee. Um, there's a lot of folks right now that are in their job. They might not be super passionate about it, but they intend to stay there. They intend to grow. And so I'm sort of 
uh, on the belief system that employees do need to own some of their career journey, especially advocating for themselves first and foremost. Um, but there are some personal barriers that can actually get in the way and can hold somebody back, especially today. And I would love to chat a little bit about a few of these and get your take on somebody, how somebody can actually move past them. So I'd say the first one is if somebody is in a job right now and they're struggling with tons of stress and burnout, how do they sort of like come out of that? What, what should they be doing um, to be, become more aware of that situation? And I would say that situation is more common than we think. Many yes. of the people I work with are like that. I was just talking to someone this morning where literally they are going from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. without any breaks at all, even oh. sometimes no breaks to eat. And so I think the first step is really just acknowledging it, acknowledging it that I am tired, perhaps I'm exhausted. And just saying that out loud can be a real big step for people. A lot of people have this simple, is not the way it's supposed to be? I've always done it like this. Everybody around me does it yes. like this. Is it really such a bad thing not to be able to take five minutes to eat lunch? Is it really such a bad thing not to be able to have time to run to the restroom? And so sometimes just acknowledging it out loud is the first step. And that can be a huge step for some people. I think then it's a matter of acknowledging it with your loved ones, because perhaps you're not acting the way you want to act at home because you're so stressed out and burnt out. And then I think also acknowledging it with the people you work with, your colleagues, like, hey, I'm sorry if I've been a little short or snappy. And then certainly acknowledging it to the people who work with you in terms of leadership, senior management, et cetera. Now there, as you know, it kind of switches, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, got it. And you still have another 10,000 things you have to do. Yes. And then it really comes to negotiations. And this is a skill set, which it sounds like you learned in terms of, I understand there's a thousand things you want me to do. And I can't do them well because my brain is foggy because I'm so exhausted. I would like to take a few things off of my plate and reprioritize. Please help me do that. It's a very hard conversation. It takes a skill set to do it and someone like you as a coach to help them do it. But I think the first step is just acknowledge like, am I being the person I want to be? Mm -hmm. And then figuring out where are we going to reprioritize? Because let me tell you, as I'm sure you know, if you don't do that, you are going to be forced to do it because of some type of physical or mental breakdown. You bet. And that is, I'm actually in the process of writing a book. I'm halfway through. It's literally dedicated to this topic because I think that you, you hit it on the head when you said, um, this is always how it's been. This is how I work. This is me. I need to be busy, busy, busy. I think we are in such a mindset with that, that like eventually our body is like, we are shutting down. I like to think of it as Wally the robot, the Disney robot. You know, eventually his 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 power runs out and he has to go charge himself again. And we literally let our batteries drain, but we never let our cell phone battery drain. But our <laughs> body battery is constantly draining to the bottom. And there's at some point, you know, you have to replace your phone. And at some point your body is like, I cannot do this anymore. And you don't want to get to that point. Right. Excellent point. Um, okay. So what about, um, employees that really have a lack of confidence? Perhaps they have a leader that's sort of one of those personalities. It's just kind of like, you know, go, 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 go. They're, they're fearful of speaking up for themselves and advocating. What kind of advice do you have for employees that are kind of like lacking that confidence? So the first thing I want to say is you're not alone. 
There are a lot of people who feel like it. The second thing is there's a real thing called the imposter syndrome, and they may be part of what we call the imposter syndrome. And sometimes people are like, really, that's a thing? I'm like, absolutely, it's a thing. There's a lot of research on it. William & Mary has done a lot of work on this idea of how do we identify the imposter syndrome, and then what are some things we can do to increase the confidence? So first of all, I just want people to know out there, if that's you, you are not alone. It's a real thing. So now the question is, okay, thanks so much for that tidbit, and what do I do? Oftentimes I tell people to look up Carol Dweck, that's D-W-E-C-K, and she has a concept called growth mindset. If you haven't heard about growth mindset, it's a way to say that we can grow, we can change. A fixed mindset is exactly what you just said. It's always been done like that. A growth mindset is we can move forward two inches, we can move forward 5%. And she has a lot of tips on that. So think about, you're not alone. We understand how you're feeling. There is a model. Check out growth mindset. Work with a coach so that you can slowly over time build the muscle of speaking up even if you're not feeling confident, speaking up in different meetings if you're feeling like you might be the person to say it. And that would help you start to move past this idea of, am I really the right person for this job? And that confidence that you may not be feeling yet. Uh, that's great. Um, that is great. And I assume that growth mindset would sort of come into my last scenario, which is like being okay with the status quo or going through the motions. But I was actually taken aback a bit. I was chatting with someone last week and they said to me, you know, I've just been going through the motions for so many years now. It feels like I've lost my identity. But it, on one side, they were okay with going through the motions. And so would you say if you notice that about yourself, you should try to challenge yourself to self-reflect? And how would you handle, you know, somebody that's like, hey, just going through the motions, been doing it for 10 years? Yeah. So one way I would use to describe that is what we call engagement. Engagement is this word that gets bandied about. And <laughs> what it actually means is, is someone psychologically committed to make a positive contribution at work? That's what we mean. In general, in the U.S., we're at about 40% engagement, which means 40% of employees in any industry in the U.S. are saying, yes, I am psychologically committed to make a positive contribution at work. So you're thinking, what's everybody else doing? Right. (laughs) Going through the motions. Um, And and sometimes it is legit to go through the motions. Right. Perhaps you're taking care of a parent who's ill. Perhaps you're dealing with other issues. And sometimes just get through your day, go through the motions stay engaged, don't disengage. And that's okay. We cannot always give that extra 10% to be completely engaged all the time, or we're going to go back to burnout, right? Yes. Uh, And so sometimes it's totally fine. It's also totally fine. Sometimes we have what we call an individual contributor. It's just a fancy way of saying someone who's not managing people, but who's really specialized in a skill set. And they're like, I don't want to be a people manager. Totally fine. You don't have to be a people manager. So sometimes someone's idea of going through the motions is I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of my family. I don't want to be on a path of leadership where I'm going to be taking care of other people and managing them. That's totally fine. However, if you yourself know you're kind of coasting, you're kind of gliding, you're really not challenging yourself, you're not asking for the extra committee or getting engaged in something else that's outside your actual tasks, then I would say challenge yourself a little bit. Look at the root cause of what's going on 
and figure out how you can move forward just two more inches the next day. Ah, oh, that's so fantastic. I love the little like 1% better every day sort of thing or 1% progress. That's fantastic. So one thing I, I would say that that's great that we touched on like those key things that might be holding some uh, folks back. But I think one of the biggest things that you probably see a lot as a leadership coach is that sometimes leaders are a huge cause of the way that employees feel in an organization. And I've been very sensitive to it, sensitive to it as a consultant in the past, watching how leaders can set the tone for such a toxic company culture. And so I guess my question for you is just, you know, how, if you're an eager employee, you're really looking to grow in your career, you're looking to go from manager to director, director to VP, like you just have this growth trajectory about you. How does working in a company culture actually play into the ability to own and move your career, especially if it's toxic? Sure. So first of all, let's define culture. People often get these yeah. words mixed up. So culture is actually made up of three things. Organizational culture is made up of the organizational values, the behaviors around those values, yeah. and then the mindset around those values. So people say you can't measure culture. Absolutely not. You can measure culture. What are the values? What are the behaviors around the values? And then what is the mindset? And they'll say, oh, this is a good culture or a bad culture. And I always say there's no such thing. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, that you go and you work for an organization and when you were recruited for that organization or when you applied for that organizational job, you were told we move fast, we make decisions quickly, we're innovative, we're creative. And you're like, yes, that's what I want. Yes. Those would be what we call norms or behaviors of an organizational culture. You get in there, you're really excited, you get onboarded six months later and you realize it's taking a long time to make decisions. Things are not moving fast. There's no creativity. And what people say is, well, that's a bad culture. I say, it's not a bad culture. What it is, is that the culture that you thought you were walking into, agile, creative, innovative, the behaviors and the mindsets are not aligned. And then you feel like, what's going on? So sometimes toxicity is toxicity. We'll talk about that in a second. Sometimes though, culture is not necessarily toxic. It's just not what you thought it was going to be gotcha. based on the job description or whatever that case may be. That is fantastic perspective. And I assume that maybe if you really are grounded and rooted in those culture, that the behaviors, then this might not be the company for you then. That's a choice it, you have to make. Exactly. Or moving within that, right? Perhaps there is a different department that is a little bit more innovative than not. So you don't necessarily have to leave the organization. It costs companies a lot to replace an employee between 2.5 to four times their salary. So organizations don't want people to leave and people don't necessarily always want to leave. And so instead of leaving, that's what go back to that lattice instead of the ladder of, okay, I'm going to go over here a little bit because this is more in aligned of what I thought the behaviors would be. Gotcha. So if we think about that, that's one side. If we think about this idea of toxicity, it happens. Absolutely happens. I was just talking to someone yesterday where it's a toxic workplace. There's a lot of things you can do here. And I would say to the listeners is think about what is in your sphere of influence. There are some things that are in your sphere of influence. There are some things that are not in your sphere of influence. We cannot control other people. We cannot control how other people speak to us. We cannot control how other people speak to others. That's outside of our sphere of influence. 
However, we can control what is in our own sphere of influence. So it might be, for example, are we reacting to the person and fighting back? Or are we using our emotional intelligence, calming ourselves, thanking the person for the feedback and not letting it ruin our day? Mm-hmm. Right. If I was reacting like, no, this is the way it should be. This is the way we should be doing it, Amy, versus I disagree with you. Thank you for your feedback. Let me move on. I know I'm making it sound super simple. Conflict can be difficult for a lot of people. What I say to people, though, is what is in your sphere of influence that can make your day better? And what is external? Don't focus on the external. We can't change other people. Focus on what you can do daily. And that goes around sleep, nutrition, drinking enough water. Some of these very basic things might make it a little easier to work in that organization. I think that you actually said one of the best things you could have told the listeners, and that is the power of um, choosing our own decisions. Like we get to choose how we react to something and we get to choose how we think about it and how we feel and what energy we want to waste on it. And I think that's great. I have really shifted my mindset over the years of just being like, you know what? I'm not going to let that bother me. And it is such a powerful feeling when you do that for yourself. So I think that was a great tidbit. I would also say it is something that is learned. Yes. It is not natural for people to do that. And so we have to learn that skill to do that. Yeah. And just one one other thing, I guess, just um, I want to pick your brain on the whole, the culture, the behavior um, issue. Um, I'm wondering, like, when when a company sets out with core values, and we know core values are sort of the, the foundational, like, this is how we want to embody. We sometimes hire to core values. You know, they're, they're very important. So what if you're an employee and you're just finding day in, day out that, gosh, my leadership is not even... These are not coming to life at all. Frankly, they're the opposite of our core values. For instance, you say be thoughtful is one of your core values. And day in and day out, leadership is not thoughtful at all. I'd go back to the idea of sphere of influence. You can be thoughtful in your own day. You can be thoughtful with your own team. We don't have to wait for leadership to show it. We can actually create a revolution the other way in terms of the ripple. So if that's what you believe and that's a core value to you and you think it would be of service to the organization, to your colleagues, to your customers, then you can be more thoughtful. You can respond instead of reacting. So, again, going back to your circles, what's in your sphere of influence, moving it out a little bit to the colleagues, the people you work with, moving it out a little bit. The further out we are, the harder it is, the more nuclear we are, the easier it is. So focus on the behavior you want to amplify If it works, great. If they think that it's benefit to stay there, great. And if not, that's fine. Yesterday I was talking to someone and there were about 10 reasons why the person should stay. They're like, Mm -hmm. this is going well. This is going well. This is going well. It's like a lot of great reasons. I'm like, excellent. And they're like, and there's three reasons why I should leave. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about those and let's break those down. One of the things was, is they wanted to use their voice more. They felt like their voice wasn't heard. Like, okay, that is a skill set you can practice on a daily basis until it feels natural, just like going to the gym. But you don't have to leave a whole organization just because there's three things that feel potentially a little off. That's yeah, that's great. Um, I actually really like that as an exercise 
if you're feeling, you know, starting to feel that angst, writing down why you should stay, why you should leave, you might realize, like you said, this is just something I can develop, or maybe I can reach out to my leader and ask for some support there. So um, that's, yeah, that's great. I think back to your, um, your thoughts earlier about um, the cost to lose an employee and then perhaps making some sort of a lateral move or career change. I know a lot of marketers that are trying to move to like HR or people work. There's like a lot of career change going on or, or aspirations of career change. I don't think it's that easy though sometimes because there are gaps in skill set. Um, like for a marketer, for instance, say they want to start to like dabble over on the people side of the business or move into operations. So what, um, how does somebody go about that sort of move and filling that gap in their skill set? I'm going to give it in four steps, very high level. So okay. the first step is what do you want, right? Like what, what do you want to do? Okay. I want to go to HR using your example. Well, HR is a lot, right? There's the compensation side, there's the recruiting side, there's the learning and development side. So I would recommend under the first step is just do a lot of informational interviews, right? Because HR might mean something to you and it's different in actual practice day to day. So first of all, I'm kind of thinking of going into HR, do a lot of informational interviews, look at your LinkedIn, talk to people in your community, anybody in that world, what is their world like? Mm -hmm. If you say, yeah, I still want to go into HR. Great. Then I'd say the second step is what are the skills you need? So let's say you decide you're going to go into recruiting. And you think, okay, well, I actually need to know how to do market research. I actually need to know how to find people and do things on social media that would attract people here. So those are the skills that I need. Okay, great. So you make a list of the skills that you need. And then step three is you identify the gaps, which means that you've made a list of the skills you have. So here's the skills I need. Step two, here's the skills that I have. What are the gaps? Okay, so I, I'm pretty good at social media, socially with my friends, but probably not really good in thinking through how to create a campaign that would attract people to come because I'm trying to recruit. So that would be the gap. And then step four is time to learn it. You can learn it online for free. You can learn it through lots of different ways. Uh, a tip I like to give to people is what we call 70-20-10. 70 is experiential. Learn it through shadowing people, through rotations, through actually experiencing it. The 20 is learn it through people, mentoring, coaching, that type of thing. And the 10% is actually taking some type of course. Most people say, I have to learn. I have to take a course. I'm like, yes. And you actually have to experience it and practice it. And that's the 70 when it comes to 70, 20, 10. So if you're thinking, I want to go to marketing and I want to move into HR, I would say the four steps are, what do you want? Number one, what are the skills you need? Number two, what are the gaps? Number three, and then find ways to learn using 70, 20, 10. Very neat. Um, is this something you could um, communicate to your current leader um, at, at some point as well? Maybe saying, you know, I'm really interested in maybe thinking about moving over to people. Do you think that is a is something nerve wracking folks should do thinking they might lose their current job? Like, how do you feel about sort of being transparent? I think it depends on the relationship you have with your supervisor. I think there's no harm in it, right? Because if, if I'm the supervisor and I really don't want you to leave, I'm going to listen, right? I can't promise you that you're going to HR. However, some organizations have what they call professional development budget. 
Some of them have a professional development percentage of time. So you can spend 5% of your time learning something new. So I'd say it's certainly worth a conversation to say, not doing it anytime soon, happy here, don't want to leave, but just want to let you know, I'm really curious about the HR side of the world. Is there anything that you recommend that I do? And they might say, oh, let, let's support you. Let's talk about it. Let's create what we would call an IDP, otherwise known as an individual development plan. Okay, awesome. Um, so for those um, folks maybe out there that are in the quest of looking for a new job right now, um, is there any sort of research or what sort of checklist can somebody go through to do some due diligence up front to to kind of like make sure that maybe the cult the culture or that the, the behaviors they're going to feel comfortable in that sort of setting um do you have any like questions that are really great to ask during interviews that um can kind of assess the fit Absolutely. And I want to just play up that word a little bit, because I know it's a common word is this idea of fit. And I want to challenge our listeners to say, you don't necessarily want to just fit in, right? Because that kind of means we're assimilating. And when we think about diversity and diversity of thought and diversity of skill sets and diversity of education and everything, we actually want to add. So to think about it, are you going to fit? Maybe not. And it may still be a great place for you. So sometimes we don't necessarily fit in, but it's a great learning place for you or a great learning place for the organization. In terms of the questions to ask, I generally have a few that I always say, first of all, either find out through a question or online, what are their values? Find out what their operational way of living those values is. Like, hey, is it a thoughtful place? Going back to your early example. I would say another question is really get into the nitty gritty of what does your average day look like? I often bucket into like, how much of my time am I in meetings? How much of my time yes. am I writing? How much of my time am I doing admin? Uh, because it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize it would be 40% of my time doing admin. That's really not what I had in mind. So the more that you can drill down into just buckets, general buckets would help someone understand what is the culture like? What are the values? How would you spend your day? And then you can riff off of all those questions as you dig a little deeper. You know, it's so funny. One of my uh, mentees reached out to me a couple weeks ago and she said, I asked a question on an interview. I said, what does my day-to-day -day look like? And do you know that they could not give me an answer? And she said, that made me feel very uneasy and I am not going to accept this job. It's a great, it's a great way to kind of think about it. If they don't know it to me and maybe to your mentee, it sounds like there's a lot of fires to fight and yes. a firefighting culture is great for some people and it is not great for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was like, wow, what good intuition you have. <laughs> like that is, that was something to, to pick up on for sure. Um, okay. So what about the, the, there's a lot of, I feel like younger folks that are super eager to get into management and start, you know, managing people. Um, what, what sort of a path or like, how can they sort of own that career path to head into that people leader position? So the people leader position is huge. As mm -hmm. you know, I would say there are a few key skills that all people leaders need to learn. And they can either learn it on the job or they can learn it through online courses that are free, pick up a book, podcast, whatever it may be. I'd say the first one is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence at a very high level is basically 
being aware of your own emotions and the emotions of those around you so that you can work with what's going on in the room versus I am a robot. This is what we're going to do. I'm not noticing that someone is frowning at me and not understanding. Most intelligence is, oh, I, I did have a, a deck that I wanted to share, but it looks like people are still stuck on slide two and I wasn't clear. Let me go back to slide two. So emotional intelligence, everybody needs to learn emotional intelligence. And it's good news is you can actually increase it and you can actually uh, improve it over time. So I'd say that's one thing, regardless of what industry, if you want to be a people leader, look into emotional intelligence. The second thing I would say to look into is this idea of collaboration. And I don't just mean the collaborative tools such as a wiki and Slack and that kind of thing, but actually how do you collaborate with people who think differently, who act differently, who come from different perspectives? That is a huge skill set that is needed as we are working more with international organizations, international employees, that kind of thing. So if you're going to be managing people, make sure that you are really comfortable collaborating with people who are different than you and make sure that you have the emotional intelligence and continue to focus on growing it. Then the third thing I would say is communication. As, as you know, communication is so important. Yes. It's not the what, it's the how. Yes. And it's the how of in writing as well as verbal, as well as presenting. Each one of those is a different type of skill set. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering in your um, your line of work, do you see a lot of situations where really young, smart people are just sort of thrown into leadership roles? Maybe in a lot of those firefighting organizations, they might not have enough staff. So they just they kind of move this developing leader in, but then there's no development and they're lacking these skills. You know, what kind of impact can that make not only on the organization, but that person? I always try to have grace for some of these folks because they haven't even had a fair shot. Yeah, it's really hard and it happens. So good news is that they have confidence enough in this person that they can handle it. Again, as you say, bad news is that there's no opportunity for them to develop, i.e. time, resources, people, etc. So in that case, I would say get a mentor fast. Exactly. As you were talking about your mentee, get someone who has been there, who can help you get a mentor fast, ask them to be your mentor, schedule regular conversations every other week, once a month, something like that, just to kind of say, help me. I need to think for 30 minutes, that white space. If you can, and there's budget in terms of the professional development, get a coach as well doesn't have to be in your industry, but to get a coach to also kind of a regular cadence every other week, every week, someone who's just helping you think through all the things that you have to grow into. But it happens. It's very difficult. Some people are successful. Some people are not as successful. It doesn't mean that you're not a great people manager. It just means whatever the circumstances were, it was just harder for you to be able to do it all at the same time. Yeah. For sure. I always, like I said, I always try to have grace because it's a, it's a, it's a rough place to be in, especially when you're trying to keep your head above water and you have to support these people, but you've got gaps, you know, and you, you know, a lot of times they understand that they, they really do need some training as well. Um, but I guess that segues before we wrap up into leadership in general. Um, this is something that I feel like you know a lot about and you're sort of trying to help um, develop and, and empower leaders. And so I wonder if you're, um, you know, you're an employee, like what is the impact of 
poor leadership on your self-worth, your self-confidence in your job? Like really what is the impact to organizations when leaders are not displaying a lot of these core competencies that you've sort of talked about? Certainly can create a toxic environment. Certainly would be a high attrition, which means employees are leaving. It's funny, sometimes we go into organizations and we're like, hmm, that's a, a fairly high attrition rate that you have there. Like, oh, everybody's going back to get their PhDs. I'm like, really? Everybody's, everybody's going back the same six-month period? Yeah, everybody decided to go back and get their PhDs. Um, and so that's usually your first clue. If you're going and looking, it's like, you know, what is the attrition rate? How long are people staying? Are they only staying for six months? Are they staying for five years? Uh, so all of that can be impacted based on how leadership is acting. And it definitely has a direct relationship to how the workforce, how the employees, how the talent feel about their purpose, their mission at the work. And if you're kind of, you're in this situation and you're struggling and maybe you've got a plan to exit or you might be looking for new opportunities, um, but you do start to see that this, this relationship, this person is causing, um, you know, is aiding in burnout for you or is causing you these uneasy feelings, you know, what are some ways that folks can like advocate for themselves or even set boundaries? Speaking up is so hard. And so how do, how do you do that? So I always say people start small, right? You're not going to all of a sudden become someone who speaks up in every single meeting, right? So start small and smart, easy. So where do you feel safe speaking up? Mm -hmm. Might be with a colleague, might be with one particular department. Where do you feel safe speaking up? And just practice that. So one way, literally just to say, this week I'm speaking up two more times. You have a little thing on your phone and you just speak up two more times in a safe place. Okay, that wasn't so bad. Then you start to stretch it. Maybe I'm going to speak up a little bit outside my sphere of influence. And so practicing it over time, but start with something small. We're not going to just say, I want to be a people manager. No, I want to first learn how to speak up more so I can advocate for the people that I work with. So I have to practice speaking up. I'm going to start to do it with a safe place, people I know, then I'm going to expand, then I'll work on the next skill, then I work on the next skill set. Again, it's that sphere of influence, what you can manage versus letting the toxicity impact you. And it may impact you and you may decide to leave and that you have more agency than you think you do. Ooh, that was a good way. That was a good final sort of segment, but I'd love for you just to expand just a little bit more. I'm not sure everybody kind of understands like what does agency even mean? Like this might be a superpower I haven't even tapped into. Um, can you just cover that really quick for us? Absolutely. So agency is holding yourself accountable to do things. Give you a quick example. Someone said today, you know, I really want to spend more time with the kids. I said, great. What's getting in the way? They said, well, uh, I always have a four o'clock appointment. And I said, okay, and who owns your calendar? And they said, well, actually I do. I said, so you actually have agency to stop taking four o'clock appointments, which means you have the ability to actually do that. And they're like, oh yeah, I guess I do. So we are conditioned to think I can't change four o'clock appointments. Well, actually there's no one saying you can't as long as you get the work done. Maybe you're going to take the appointment at noon instead of four and that type of thing. But you have more agency than you think you do. So this idea of agency is what is in your control? What can you manage? And most people, regardless what their job is, their task is, their industry is, have a little bit more agency than they think that they do. 
And it's a way to start looking at what can I put into my sphere of influence and what can I start to manage just a little bit differently. Sounds like a really good next step actually is for folks to audit and see what they actually do have control of and how can they start to set some boundaries for themselves and take ownership. Um, I think one of the easiest ones I always recommend is like block your calendar off, right? Like there are periods of time in your job where you can say, you know what, this is my heads down space and I am not going to take meetings in this time. And when you reach out to me, I will decline and I will tell you again, this is my heads down space, unless of course it's an emergency. Um, but I think that's one simple way that we can sort of like own like our time and take control. And that can be just a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, I actually have a colleague who does that literally on her calendar. It's heads down. Yeah. And I know that I cannot get a hold of her during that time. And it's fine. Yeah. yeah. And again, if it's an emergency, I'll text her and I say, I know you're in your heads down time. This is an emergency. Can you please let me know? But it's a way to communicate to people. I am doing what I can to make sure that I have the space I need to do the tasks I need to do. Yes. And again, I think um, I'm so glad you touched on the ability to, you know, remind ourselves that we can control what we can control. Stop trying to control everything around us that we can't control. That list is far longer than the right. Like we don't we just have to kind of push that off to the side. Um, and then we have the ability to make decisions and choose, you know, so if we're just not if this is not working out for us anymore, we can look for that lateral move It is okay to change careers if we want. Um, so it's been delightful getting to hear your expertise around this topic. Um, so where can listeners get a hold of you or contact you if they have any other questions or looking for leadership help? Sure. So our organization is called the Center for Human Capital Innovation. That is a mouthful. I'll just give you the URL. It is centerforhci.org. That's C-E-N-T-R-F-O-R-H-C-I.org. Or just look me up, Ann Lair. That's A-N-N-E-L-O-E-H-R. And you'll be able to find me online. Awesome. Well, we will have all of this linked up in our show notes. And thank you again so much for spreading your expertise. We, I really appreciated having you today and chatting. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. Bye. I feel very empowered after speaking to Anne. It is a great reminder that a skill set is transferable and you can change your career. You're not throwing it all away. You can also work hard to move up the lattice, as Anne would say, perhaps moving into a different department or to managing people. The bottom line, we have to adopt a growth mindset and stay in charge of what we can control and our choices are one of those things. Anne's info is linked up in the show notes and you know where you can find me on Instagram at personalbestinc or via email at info at personalbestcoaching.net. You can do this. It's time to believe in yourself and build your life on your terms. I will see you all next time.